this is Jordan Beal. Welcome to the Rock of Grace podcast from our Kinsman campus. We are passionate about leading people to follow Jesus together, and we're so glad that you're opening the Word of God with us today. I pray God speaks to your heart. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are uh, Father, you have orchestrated so many things and all that we're going to talk about today, God, that you are not surprised by what's going on in our lives. You are not surprised by what's going on in Israel, that you are sovereign. We don't completely understand it, but we know that you're outside of time. So help us to simply learn to trust again that we're not God, but you are, that you fashioned us and you created us and God, like Nikki said, you've created each of us worthy of love and worthy of acceptance into your family. We thank you for adopting us, like we said last week. We thank you for the two salvations last week, over 50 people now saved this year. God, we worship you. We praise you and adore you for what you're doing in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Well, again, I'm just excited you're here. Um, I see some new faces out there, and so if I haven't met you yet, I'm Pastor Jordan, and um, just love being here, love and get to worship with you guys. And we are in a, a series called Our Hope and Future. In fact, everybody say this with me, Our Hope and Future. A lot of things are unknown in the world, but God knows them. And so I'm going to warn you, today is going to be a fire hose, Okay. So we had six weeks to teach all this end time stuff. And, but even when we taught it, we didn't know Israel was going to be attacked months later when we taught this stuff. So now there's like a lot of things unfolding with Ezekiel 38. I'll get into that in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But turn to your neighbor right now, look at him real, real, real cheesy, and, right, and say, buckle up. Because this is going to be fire hose. Okay, here we go. Uh, by the way, a lot of what I study, I just wanted to give you some resources, um, endtimes.com, Chuck Missler, um, oh, what's his name? I, I just blanked on his name. But anyway, there's, a, there's quite a few people that I've studied to put this together, as well as Robert Stearns. He took me to Israel seven years ago. So just watching his updates, his videos, it's, it's just phenomenal. Uh, by the way, many of you have wondered how to give, and I did put a link in the digital foyer. So if, you, if you're not on our Facebook digital foyer, he has feeding centers in Israel. So if you say, hey, I want to do something tangible, you can uh, follow that link, Bishop Robert Stearns. Okay? All right, so I want to tell you guys something. Here we go. What's happening in Israel, you need to understand, is Bible prophecy unfolding in real time. Okay? It's Bible prophecy unfolding in real time. We talked about the rapture last week. I want to put up that timeline again in just a minute. But today we're talking about the millennial reign of Christ. And so we prepared this outline a while back, but we didn't know Israel was going to be attacked. So I have a lot of stuff in here about Israel to kind of add to that. So what does Israel have to do with it? Well, let's back up and just say this. Jesus said that the end times are like birth pains. Now, spoiler alert, Pastor Andrew Pitt's wife, Monica, had their third baby. So can we praise God for that? I can tell you that it, I, I wasn't there, okay, but I can tell you that it did not go somewhat like this. You know, Andrew, I'm feeling kind of good. Let's stop and get a mocha latte, and then I'm going to give birth. How many ladies in the room know it probably didn't go like that? 
Okay, birth pains. Uh, I, I am a male, so I do not know. There are no birthing people. There are men and women, side note. But I am a male, and I uh, cannot give birth. But my wife, all right, has given birth to our four beautiful children. And here's how birth pains work. I've, I've learned, that, again, multiple children, so I, I know how this works now. They get more intense, and they get closer. Am I right, ladies? Is that right? Help me out. Give me a big nod. Okay. They get more intense as they get closer. Let me say it one more time. Jesus said, end time signs are like birth pains. They get more intense as you get closer. Everybody with me? Yeah, how many of you guys know Jesus knows how to say a lot in just a couple words? It's, it's amazing. So I'm going to give you just a few of the birth pains, like four. And there's, you know, about 400. I'm just going to give you four. All right, I'm going to put up a picture of a statue that was given to the United Nations. And I want to read to you Daniel chapter 7. Now, if you were in our end time study, there was about 40 of you here. How many of you were in our end time study at the beginning of the year? Raise your hand. So I know a couple of you will see a couple things reiterated, but I felt like this is so, it just, the whole church needs to hear some of these things. Daniel 7, 2. I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove up against the sea. The four beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. The first was like a lion and had wings of an eagle. Revelation reiterates this vision and says, The beast which I saw, leopard, his feet were the feet of a bear, his mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat of great authority. Does that statue resemble exactly what the prophet said. Okay, so again, I, I'm very hesitant. If you've been here a long time, I'm very hesitant to say exactly what interpretation or a fulfillment of prophecy is because there's been hundreds of people who've got a lot of things wrong. Okay, so we want to be very slow when we say this is a fulfillment. But friend, you can't get any more clear than that. Right? That's literally described in the Bible. Another sign. We're going to go really fast. Like I said, here we go. Another sign. The days of Noah. Right? The sexual revolution that we see in America. So Jesus said it like this in Luke 17. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Now, pause for a minute. When he says Son of Man, he's speaking of himself. By the way, he referred to himself mostly as son of man. Why? Because he knew that in their Hebrew culture, they all knew about Daniel chapter 7. In fact, even when Jesus is interrogated on his arrest night, and the priest says, are you the Messiah? He says, behold, you will see the son of man coming in the clouds. This is what makes the priest tear his garment. I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, here we go. Jesus is the son of man. Are you okay with me? Jesus is the son of man. Speaking of himself, it will be like this, people are eating, drinking, marrying, and being given to marriage to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Go to the next slide. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. In other words, a lot of people are just going to be going about their business, right? But then what? They left Sodom. So notice what he said. They left Sodom. Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. So as you're taking notes, write down things like this passage in Luke, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, 
and I'm going to use a ton of scriptures today. So if you can't write them all down fast enough, go to rockofgrace.org, click resources, sermons, okay? And my, my whole sermon's there. So you need to understand that this second sign of this sexual revolution, what it was like, okay, in the days of Noah, where people were exchanging uh, heterosexual sexuality uh, with same sex and with what we now call bi- you know, non-binary LGBTQ, right? So what happened in, in America? These are just some things I typed this week, right? We saw gay marriage affirmed. Then we saw it celebrated. Now we see transgenders, and we see them demanding an audience of children. How many of you guys know there's some, a problem? There's a major problem. By the way, you have mayors, not one, multiple mayors, not just approving but participating in these things in front of children. How many guys realize there's a problem? This is days of Noah. This is, turn to your neighbors in case they don't, in case they didn't hear that. Turn to your neighbor, look them in the eye, say, this is the days of Noah. And when we read scripture, we start to make sense of some of the craziness going on in the world, right? All right, let me give you a, a fourth sign. The nation of Israel being attacked on October 7th. You have to realize that the nation of Israel has not been attacked like this since 1948 when they were reinstated as a state. And you might say, well, I remember I've heard other, other testimony or um, teachings about Gog and Magog, right? Have you guys ever heard of Gog and Magog, the Ezekiel 37, 38 war? What you have to understand is that idea of Russia, Iran, and Turkey attacking Israel all at once, right, and even China, it sounds like, oh, that would be in the future. This week, this week, China has said they denounced Israel in support Hamas. Guys, you're watching biblical prophecy unfold in front of your eyes, Psalm 83 talks about the whole God making Israel a boiling pot that the entire world would see. By the way, just the fact that you have internet on your phone and millions of people around the world can watch, right, as Israel's being attacked, that itself is a prophecy. Another sign of the time that I don't have in the slides is even the increase of knowledge, that knowledge will increase in the earth. Guys, don't, right, have you guys ever even heard about AI? Is that crazy? Right? It was already amazing 10 years ago that you could open Google and search for anything, but now to have AI be able to articulate a story with a protagonist, a plot, a subplot, a conclusion, I mean, it's unbelievable how knowledge has increased in the earth. So you might say, well, where did all this hatred, where did all this hatred come from? Okay? Why does Iran hate Israel? I mentioned it last week super quick, so I want to kind of articulate it uh, with a little more time today, that if you open your Bibles, and I encourage you to do so, go ahead and grab your Bible or Bible app, open up to, to um, Genesis 17 and 18. Again, I said this last week, I want to say it again, the Bible explains a lot of things that are going on in the world, and it's fascinating. So where does this whole idea of um, this, this Muslim hatred originate from? Why is there a vehement desire to wipe 
Israel off the map? Why are there phrases like river to the sea that even kids on college campuses are reiterating what they're saying is annihilation of Israel? Where does that hatred come from to completely remove a Jewish people? Well, the Bible tells you. How many of you guys know the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That Abraham, right, that he's promised a child. I'm going to summarize a few chapters real quickly for you so we can keep moving. He's promised a child. He says, God, I don't know if you've met my wife, but she's old, and I'm old, okay? So this is going to, this is going to, in fact, his wife laughed over hearing this. And so it was kind of like, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, then they believed the promise, but Abraham decided to rush things and slept with the servant girl. The servant girl gets pregnant, and there's this, as you would imagine, a bit of shame and let's just say conflict, right? I mean, literally, Sarah, who might think it's okay to have her around, finally says when, the, when she has her baby, how many of you realize she doesn't want the other woman around? This is like Judge Judy stuff going on, like, right? In the, are, you guys, are you guys capturing that? Are you guys seeing this, okay? There's another woman who had a child from her husband. Not, not good, right? So she's sent away, but the Lord has compassion for her. Isn't it amazing the Lord sees everyone? He sees and loves everyone. So he has compassion for her. And hear this. He promises her a similar, not the same, but a similar blessing of a multitude. Now, he doesn't promise that the blessing, right, and that, that the Messiah would come forth out of this, but, but there's still this promise of a multitude. Um, so let's pick up at verse 6. Sarah says, God brought me laughter. Everyone who hears will laugh at me. And she said, who am I that we would have children? Verse 8, the child grew up and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham had a great feast. But Sarah saw the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham, was mocking. And she said to him, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for the woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. I want everybody to say this word with me, rejection. Rejection can form a deep-seated, come on, hurt. The hurt of rejection forms into a deep-seated hatred and anger. You can see that. In fact, I believe this is even what propels what's called the Prince of Persia later in the Bible. So let's open this up. The matter distressed Abraham. Imagine that, you know, not a great idea, Abraham. The matter distressed Abraham, and he became concerned about his son. But God said to him, don't be so distressed about the boy and, and the slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and skinned water and gave it to Hagar, sent uh, and, he, and he set them on her shoulders and sent, them, sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered to the desert. Again, you want to know where all this stems from. Listen to this. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. She went off and sat down, for she thought, I cannot just watch this boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob and cry. God heard the boy crying. Angel of God cried to Hagar from heaven and said, what is the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lays here. Lift up the boy, take him by the hand, and I will make him into a great nation. Now you might understand why Muslims, in particular radical Muslims, radicalized Muslims, will say, our father Abraham. Do you see that now? Our father Abraham. So they share in, in their, you know, same, same root. God was with the boys he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. 
that's important because if you study world history, you'll see like the people of Iran became what? Good at archery, right? The Bible's right there. So I want you to understand something that Genesis 18 is explaining to us where this hatred and this animosity came from all the way back to then, right? And what's unbelievable, and we'll get to this in a little bit later, is that us as Gentiles, as Christians, we are grafted in to the tree. We're grafted into the people of God. Okay, so Rock of Grace does not believe in replacement theology. I had a couple people ask me that this week. That would be as if the Bible said, cutting, I cut down the tree and planted a new one, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we were grafted in. Everybody say grafted in. Grafted in. Big difference. Very big difference. So again, Jesus talks about this whole thing um, Luke 12, Matthew 24 and 25, the signs of the times. I encourage you to read that. I want you to skip down to this. Israel is ground zero for the end times. In fact, everybody say this with me. Israel is ground zero for the end times. You guys still doing okay? I know we're moving fast, but I just I have so much I want to share with you today. What's happening in Israel? You are watching what God God knew, God is not surprised by anything. Remember how we opened the sermon last week? We live in uncertain times, but they are certainly known by God. So God is outside of time. Um, I was explaining this to the teenagers one time in youth group, and I told them that it's like a basketball game. If me, if me and Matt, I know Matt loves basketball. Let's say me and Matt were watching the game. You like the Cavs? Like, let's just pretend. Like, yeah, no, maybe. Okay. He's like, uh... I just watched Steph Curry. You're a traitor to Cleveland. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so let's say, let's say me and Matt are watching the Cavs. If I tell Matt, watch this, you're never going to believe this. Steph Curry drops a 38-footer right in front of the half court, wins the game. And Matt looks at me kind of strange, but then Steph Curry does it. One, it wouldn't be that big as a surprise, right? But let's say he does it. Matt would say, how did you know that? Did I, did Jordan Beale cause Steph Curry to shoot the shot? I told, I DVR'd it and Matt didn't know. It was last night's game. That's what God is like. He's outside of time. You see that? He already knows what is, what is future to us is past to him. Okay? He's outside of time. So he knows what is going to happen. And God tells us, Oh, I got way ahead on my iPad. God tells what's gonna, what, what is going to happen. So how many of you guys were all shocked by October 7th, that attack? I mean, guys, you're, talk, you're talking people parachuting in with AKGs just killing people. It's unbelievable. You're, talk, you're talking like, I, I won't even reiterate because there's some kids in here, some of the things that they did. All right, this is evil, evil at its core. So the, the people of Israel, they were born, reborn as a state in 1948. That was a big sign where God said in the end times, I will gather my people back. Okay, that before Jesus comes and his feet, come, that he would gather his people back. Is, Iran has always wanted to overwhelm and annihilate Israel. You, you've seen that literally on Fox and CNN. Every network has showed you Iran 
chanting death to Israel. In fact, they call Israel the great Satan and they call America the little Satan. I don't know if you realize that. Okay, so when we look at why they want to annihilate, again, we talked about where that hatred came from. That rejection, that rejection that they felt, that Ishmael felt when he was sent away. So while we've seen these huge warships show up and show strength for America, right? And um, some of the teachers I was, I was studying and just reading all kinds of people, you know, they believe that that has stopped Hezbollah and other terrorist organizations from also attacking. But you have to realize that America is double-minded on this issue because we've sent millions of dollars to Iran. And how many guys know what the Bible says about a double-minded person? Okay, so you can't play both sides of the coin. So we need to be praying for Israel. And we be praying for America that we make some better decisions concerning Israel. Amen? Now, you might say, but Jordan, isn't that just Hamas? Isn't that just a select group of people? The UN, the UN, United Nations, is having a hard time con- condemning this. In fact, I watched a video last night. I even uh, I shared it that this, this woman, this spokesperson, is just vehemently and passionately explaining how important it is that they actually announce and declare Israel's right to continue as a state and not be wiped off. I want you to hear something that Bishop Stern shared, the guy who took me to Israel seven years ago and really started to open my eyes to all this stuff, is a saying that's been there for a long time, which is this. If Israel does nothing, right, because the media and a lot of people will tell you, oh, look how cruel Israel is. No, if you do nothing, if Israel does nothing to defend themselves, they would cease to exist, Okay, that's, that is the saying, that is the truth of not just decades, but centuries. Even though you can have Palestinians living in Israel and having total fine. In fact, one lady shared on Prager University, I don't know if you ever follow Prager U, great channel. This guy, uh, it was a guy actually, he shared that he, he grew up trained in Palestine to hate Israel. And he thought they were just, you know, X, Y, Z, all these things were bad. But then he actually visited as an adult in his 20s. And when he visited, he found out the only people that were angry and filled with hate and a murderous rage were the Palestinians. He said, I got along great with tons of people in Israel, Jewish people, who tolerated me and were fine with my faith. Yet they, when I would go over to Palestine, any, anybody in Gaza wants to kill. All right, so we did this land for peace treaty. It did not work out well. We gave them land. We got no peace. And so that's the temptation now. In fact, even... Um, our secretary uh, has said that, that we want a two-state solution, but that doesn't work. Again, that does not work. Imagine, imagine if, uh, if Lauren had a neighbor, okay, and Lauren's neighbor vowed to kill Lauren every day. How much peace would Lauren have? Zero. By the way, this is what sets the stage for the man of peace. This is what sets the stage. This is why we're so close to Jesus coming back, guys, because all this is setting the stage for the Antichrist to declare himself as, as such and, and, and uh, this ruler that everybody, oh, my gosh, he solved this problem that's been going on for centuries. He is solving. He's bringing peace, and he offers this seven-year uh, treaty, peace treaty. 
So open up Zechariah verse 12. I know it's a fire hose today, but open up Zechariah verse 12, or chapter 12. I want to tell you about the boiling pot that is Israel. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, who formed the human spirits. Notice what he does. God is so good. at He, he, he gives a premise, right? Like any good teacher, he gives the premise. Hey, this is who I am. <laughs> okay? Like I, the Lord who stretches out the heavens, who is creator, who forms the man, says, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day, when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, everybody say that's today. You need to understand that. I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. That's a good spot for an amen. On that day, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. By the way, back at the Six-Day War, there was visions, visions of Israel's enemies seeing angels and angels on horses, like, like, like giant like horses, giant angels, and literally just dropping their guns and giving up, which is just amazing. On that day, I will strike the clans of Judah like a fire, fire pot in a woodpile, like a flaming torch among the sheaves. They will consume all the surrounding peoples right and left, but Jerusalem will remain intact. The Lord will save the dwellings of Judah first so that the honor of the house of David and Jerusalem's inhabitants may not be greater than that of Judah. On the day of the Lord will shield those who live in Jerusalem so that the feeblest among them will be like David and the house of David will be like God. Isn't that interesting? The feeblest among them, the young, the old. I have a, a friend, I said it word lightly, but the guy I met that was a tour guide and we had a couple of God moments um, named Aviad, older guy, but he is taken out of retirement and is now having to go to battle. Look at this. I will make them brave like David, right? On that day, I will set out to destroy the nation that attacked Jerusalem. Church, this is potentially the Ezekiel 38-39 war. This is a big deal. Jesus is coming back. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming back soon. So I want to quickly recap what we said last week. That our blessed hope, if you hear this, you hear all that, and you're like, oh, man, this is scary. You don't need to be afraid. Why? We have a hope in Jesus. Let's put up the three things we said last week. We have a hope in Jesus. God's going to make all things new. And who is it for? It's for you. Let's all say this part together. Say this with me. We have a hope in Jesus. We will be made new. And this hope is for you. Aren't you so glad that you are offered salvation? that you are forgiven, that you get to be grafted into this blessed people. This is unbelievable that we get this. Now, some of you might say, well, what about that whole, you know, tribulation thing? Um, we are a pre-trib or pre-tribulation church, right? What that means is I believe Jesus will come back before uh, the great tribulation. Now, again, there's a lot of great people who believe it's mid-trib. Jimmy Evans is one of them. But I, I kind of see a lot of scriptures that indicate we're a pre-trib. Now, by the way, if you are a mid-trib or post-trib, I'll eat tacos with you, okay? I'll go on vacation with you, all right? I'm just, I'm just gonna ask Jesus that when we're at the wedding supper of the Lamb, you're sitting across from me and I can say, told you so. <laughs> oh, I thought that was really funny when I typed that. But anyway, <laughs> that... Again, joke. But the point is this, is that your hope is in Jesus. 
Okay, so again, we're, when we interpret some scriptures, it's, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen. So we'll put up a timeline here in just a minute. But after the rapture, the seven years of tribulation, what we see is the return of Jesus, the second coming. All right, in fact, let's put up that timeline that um, it said, I think I wrote possible timeline that what I see in, in scripture. It's like blue and gray. Yep. Okay, great tribulation. Do Christians suffer in this? Okay, so according to what I see in 2 Corinthians 11, where Jesus said, if I didn't come back, no one would, would survive. James 4, uh, 4, Ephesians 5, 22, and Romans 7 all indicate this. And in fact, the end of Revelation talks about this too, that there would be this tribulation that everybody suffers under. Now, one of the things that I was asked when we studied this in the spring is, do people get saved during the tribulation? Yes, primarily Jewish people. Check this out. Because during the tribulation, they all realize this guy that was claiming to be peace is now, it's horrific. Because three and a half years in, when he commits the abomination of desolation in the temple and declares himself to be God, he brings havoc on anybody who does not accept his mark. And so all of these Jewish people are gonna realize those Christians were right. The Messiah did come. That's what Revelation says, the scales will fall from their eyes. Say this with me, the scales will fall from their eyes. That's what Revelation says. So the tribulation is, you primarily, as far as, far as who's getting saved, you're gonna see a lot of Jewish people get saved. How many of you guys think that's awesome? Isn't that cool? All right, so go to that next slide. So Daniel chapter 12 talks about this. At this time shall arise Michael, the great prince who is charged of people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation until that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Again, this is one of the verses that I like to reference because of, of pre-trib, but again, not a huge deal if you're a mid-trib or post-trib person. Many of those, uh, actually, let me back up, shall be delivered. Everyone whose name is written in the book of life. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting, some to shame, and the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Amen. And then go to that next uh, timeline. Yeah. Yep. There's some more verses. I won't read them all, but First Thessalonians 5, 9, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, kind of talk about this, that we're not appointed to wrath. And again, too, I like to view it like Chuck Missler says, that we are the bride of Christ. Okay, so Jesus in Jewish culture has prepared a house for the bride on his father's house. Remember what he said in John 14? I go to the father to prepare a place for you. If it were not true, I would not tell you. Amen? I go to that next slide. Um, So after the rapture, right, and the seven years of this tribulation take place, we return with Jesus. That's called the second coming. So everybody say this with me, second coming. Okay, I warned you. I know I told you this was a fire hose today. After the seven years, we return with Jesus. Now, some of you said, like, well, why, why would we be with Jesus? We get to rule and reign with Jesus, a kingdom of priests, Revelation says. Isn't this phenomenal? This is why C.S. Lewis just nailed it in his allegories. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. I just, I love little Lucy and the whole throne thing. Anyway, all right, we get to rule and reign with Christ. It's unbelievable. So this second coming triggers the millennial reign of Christ as we come and rule and reign with him. By the way, this is just, so I've been writing this book called Ask, Think, or Imagine, because I keep looking at, at, first of all, Ephesians 2, but also Genesis, 
Pastor Dave, God gives Adam and Eve dominion and says, name all the animals. That's fascinating to me. That's a big job, right? I can't get my children to name their juice box, right? And God's like, hey, name all the animals. Take dominion. Extending Eden. That's phenomenal. And so when I see verses like we're about to read in 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Revelation 11, like God is reinstating this partnership with man. That's wild. How many of you guys realize God can rule and reign without us? He does not need us, okay? He, but he wants us. Oh, that, I should have made that a point on my slide. Here we go. Turn your neighbor. Say, he doesn't need you, but he wants you. Turn to your other neighbor. Look at him nice and awkward and Pentecostal and say, he doesn't need you, which might hurt their feelings. But now lift, <laughs> now, now encourage him and say, but he wants you. This is phenomenal to me. We get to rule and reign with Jesus. Another verse I found, check this out. Did you know we get to judge angels? Wow. You say, what? listen, I can't even balance my checkbook. We talk about like, like, listen, God makes you a new creature. Come on, that's amazing. Look, if any of you have to dispute with one another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly or judgment instead before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world and do not... Uh, competent to judge trivial, trivial cases. Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more are the things to come? So God is seating us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We get to rule and reign with Christ Jesus. That's a great spot for an amen. Wow. What makes all this possible? The grace of God. Titus 2, we preached about this last week, right? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people instructing us to deny ungodliness, to deny the self-made man mentality. We talked about this a lot last week, that it is only Christ who saves us. We can't be good enough. We can't earn it. We can't be uh, American enough. And, and by the way, just being American doesn't make you Christian. No, you gotta repent of your sin and admit your need for a savior. So this idea of Jesus coming back of the, of the tribulation and then three and a half years in, the great tribulation and the millennial reign of Christ, all of this should be sobering for us and make us realize we need to watch what goes in our eye gate and in our ear gate and into our heart. Because look what it says, denying godlessness while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amazing, huh? So the millennial reign of Christ, what do you guys need to know about that? Well, during, before the millennial reign of Christ, before, um, you know, when we talked about the seven-year tribulation, I actually agree with what somebody said. Again, we're never going to throw a name out there ever, ever. I don't have a name. But the idea of what is going on in the world uh, one teacher, Jimmy Evans, he actually believes that Antichrist is probably already alive. He's probably an adult, okay? Because we're so close. Again, birth pains. This is like Monica Pitts, you know, like I got to go to the hospital now, right? Andrew can't do what I did with her first child and go to McDonald's. I will not tell you that story because it was a bad decision. I was really hungry. I'm like, you're just going to have to hold it, babe. I'm just, you're just going to have to hold it. 
It's a true story. Should I tell him the story? Will wants me. Okay, so I pull through the drive-thru, and I told Danielle, I'm like, hey, can we go prank someone on our way to the hospital? And she's like, whatever. So I pulled in, and Danielle's, you know, she's like this little thing with this big, you know, baby, Stu. And I pull in, and I was like, she's going to give birth any minute. Y'all better hurry up. <laughs> and they were like, Fry stat, right? It was hilarious. Somebody yelled. Next day, burgers were like thrown into our car. I was like, yeah. And I just pulled off. That has nothing to do with my sermon. And I apologize that I included that. <laughs> Why did I include that? Oh, birth pains. Birth pains. I'm so EDD. I know you guys know why I write all my notes out. I just studied very hard to get all my notes out because I am easily distracted. All right. The millennial reign of Christ, what does it do? It brings salvation primarily to the nation of Israel. And again, you have this man who calls himself the man of peace, who's seemingly you know, offering this peace treaty to all the nations, right? Um, but three and a half years in, again, he breaks it. So look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. We're going to talk about this. You know, Jesus comes back with us, what's called the second coming. And what happens? Look at this. Revelation 20. I saw thrones and people seated on them who had given authority to judge. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus. And because the word of, of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads and their hands. Again, you don't need to be fearful. You don't need to be worried. What if I accidentally take the mark of the beast? You will not accidentally take the mark of the beast. That would be a very intentional thing if you decided to give allegiance to this man who is in given power by what I believe to be the UN. Now, this is an interpretation piece, what I'm about to say. Interpretation. Okay? What I'm about to say is not the Bible. I'm saying it's the, my interpretation. I personally think the beast that we see in Daniel 7, the 10 heads, all of that, I think that's the UN. I don't think you can have that leopard with feet of a bear, wings of an eagle. I mean, you, you, that, to me, it is the beast. It is the authority giving, giving the Antichrist its power. But again, that's an interpretation piece, so uh, don't stone me if we find out later that's not correct. Isaiah 2 says it like this. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established. The top of the mountains will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the God, the house of the God of Jacob. There it is again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's go up to Jerusalem, right? He will teach us his ways. By the way, one of the most beautiful signs that you know you're in the family of God when you are just excited to learn about Jesus. Because everybody in, in the new heavens and new earth will be saying, let's go, let's go up. Let's go up to Jerusalem. Let him teach us his ways. And by the way, all of those psalms that say, let's go up, Jerusalem is literally a mountain. It's literally this little, this hill, this big hill. And it is, it's just beautiful to see. For instruction will go out of Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Why? You don't need a spear. They don't need a, a sword if there's no war. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will never again train for war. How many guys say that's, that's pretty awesome? That there's going to be no need for war and no war. You see, that's the, that's the real peace that only the prince of peace can offer you. See, Satan doesn't know how to create, so he only manipulates. 
And so he says, he's, he's going to come say, I'm the man of peace. But here he's just, he's trying to replicate who God is. I'm going to close with this verse in Ezekiel. It talks about, this is what the Lord says, Ezekiel 37. I'm going to take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I'll gather them from around the world, bring them to their own nation. I will make them one nation in the land. That happened in, in 1948, Okay. I'll make them one nation on the mountains of Israel, one king to rule over them all. They will no longer be two nations and they will no longer be divided into two kingdoms. Romans 11 says it like this. I don't want you to be ignorant of these mysteries. Okay, a deliverer will come. Listen, guys, his name is Jesus. Jesus is Yeshua. Guys, even Joshua in the Old Testament is a form of the name Yeshua. Jesus is our deliverer, amen? Now, none of this, while some of it might surprise you, and I do want you to understand, none of it should bring you to the place of fear if you're a Christian, okay? You can put your trust in Jesus. If you're not yet a believer, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to do that right now. All right, I want you guys to bow your heads, close your eyes. Guys, we've had over 50 people get saved this year. We just lifted them up by name at our prayer night. We had this huge prayer at the beginning of the year for 100 salvations. How many guys believe in six weeks God can still do it? And guess what? God can do it right now. There might be people listening online that give their heart to Jesus, or if you're in this house right now, and you don't have a hope in future, secure in Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. And if you're thinking, I'm not good enough, I don't come from the right side of town, all of this is so new to me, I don't, I don't know the Bible, I don't read the Bible, you need to understand something. Salvation, the grace of God, is totally free. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. The only thing we do is accept this gift. We repent of our sin and admit our need for a savior. Is that you right now? Is your heart beating where you say, I need to get right with God? If Jesus were to come back today, I'm not ready. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand nice and high and we're all gonna pray with you and then we're gonna celebrate with all the angels give you a chance. Most beautiful. Thank you, Lord. We got salvation. So cool. Anybody else? This is the best decision you could ever make. Sarah, that's amazing what you're doing, committing your life to Jesus today. I'm going to give you just another minute. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can set all things straight and make all things new. He does this not just in the world, but he does this with our very lives. Our hearts, our minds filled with regret and anger and maybe playing the movie of our past. I just feel that some of you right now. Before we pray for salvation, I just I feel in my spirit some of you have been really playing the movie lately and you feel like Jesus isn't gonna take you home because Satan's been condemning you. If that's you, would you just nod at me if that's you? Yeah? Can I tell you something, church? 
Jesus is coming for you. The grace of God has saved you. What you did in your 20s, 30s, 40s, those things do not take away your salvation. Jesus, when you've repented of your sin and asked him to be Lord and Savior, the past is the past. In fact, Psalm says it like this. It's removed as far as the east from the west. So, Father, thank you that you make all things new. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation right now this young man getting saved. Can we all pray this together? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place, to make all things new. My life is a mess without you. Thank you for taking my regret, my shame, and every mistake and cleansing it with your blood. I receive you as Lord, as Savior. Thank you for making me your child, God. I choose to follow you every day of my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we give God a shout of praise? Can we stand up and just give God a shout? We had another salvation today. Come on, let's give God a shout. Jesus is coming back, Rock of Grace.